Today's Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 2, and it's verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Jerusalem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you want me to pray? So let's just pray for Tim as he gives us today's word. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the word that you have given. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would now just be with Tim. We thank you for the word that he has prepared, that you have placed on his heart. We pray that you may bring power to that word. Because your word is a light, but is also bread of life. It feeds and sustains us. So help us here today, whether in the building or at home, to receive your word. May may it sustain us. May it fill us. May it bring light to our feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dean. I'm sure the reading we had today is very familiar for all of us. We know the story well. The wise men, the magi, we don't know how many, uh, come from the east to visit Jesus, often depicted in scenes of the nativity, whereas the likelihood is they came later on when Jesus was probably a toddler, and as we heard in the reading, when they came to the house. Obviously, in Advent, we looked a little bit at the wise men and the perseverance of their journey And being aware of Herod and the things that came along, that can come along to trip us up in our own journeys, in our own walks. And as I was preparing for today, um, I had an idea of where I thought the talk was going. 
But I really got challenged by the Lord on Thursday evening to actually look at this from a bit of a different perspective. As I've already mentioned, I don't go in for the whole New new Year tradition. I think the words Happy New Year are just completely meaningless to me, and I apologize if they mean something to you. I don't stay up. I get really grumpy at the fireworks. I think all that money that's been burned that could be used to support people, you know, we know there is a lot of need. I I just don't get it. Amanda and I always have good debates around that time of year because I know she tends to go in for it a bit more than I do. If we push put the slide up, Josh, um, perhaps not the first one, the second one. <laughs> um, as, I was, as I was thinking, I saw this tweet by Graham Tomlin, who is a bishop in, in the Diocese of London. And I think for me, this really helped me explain to myself why I don't do New Year. And for that, if you can't read it, it actually says, The Christian calendar calls today not New Year's Day, but the naming of Jesus. Hope for the future comes not from a random change of date, nor a post-EU Britain, but from following the Saviour who opens up for us a new way to live. I think when I saw that, I realised, well, actually, the church's year begins at Advent. We begin at Advent when we start looking for the Saviour, not only to return, but to come as a baby, and we welcome him at Christmas. That's when my year begins, in, at the start of Advent. And I think there's no, it's probably not, not a, a, a chance that the 1st of January is when we celebrate the naming of Jesus. It's seven days after he was born. And Jewish tradition is seven days later, the baby is named. My hope, our hope, as Christians, is found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in that date at the end of the year. It's not found when we say, good riddance 2020, it's gone. Because I felt exactly the same when I woke up Friday morning than I did when I went to bed Thursday night. His mercies are new every morning. Jesus is still the Lord and King, no matter what happens. No matter what date we're using, he is still the Lord and King. But in saying all of that, in saying all that, I do know and I do acknowledge that this last year, 2020, has been very difficult for all of us. We're now in a position where it feels to me like things are going back in the wrong direction. Despite the fact we've now got two vaccines ready to roll out, things are going in the wrong direction. Cases are hitting an all-time high. Places are closed. It's not looking good. We've, as I say, I saw that breaking news this morning, that there are probably tougher restrictions on the way. We don't know what they're going to be. Just because the year has changed doesn't mean the circumstances have changed. And that's another reason I find it hard when people say, Happy New Year, because actually our circumstances are still exactly the same as they were in 2020. In some ways, I think a lot of us perhaps have felt we've been in survival mode during 2020, and it certainly felt like that. Let's get through the pandemic, then we can start moving forward. But actually, another thing, that's, I've been really challenged by the Lord on that. That it's actually a case of, it's not a case of get through and then move forward. He actually was saying to me, what have you been doing already? What have we been doing in these past nine months while we've had all these restrictions? And actually, if you remember last year, next slide please, Josh. I shared this image on the first Sunday of the new year. To the world, Christmas ends on on Christmas Day. Christmas is December and then it stops. But for us, this is the work of Christmas. We're in this season until the start of February. You know, some people leave decorations up until what's called Candlemas. 
when Jesus is presented in the temple. Because this season lasts for about six weeks. It's 40 days from Christmas that we spend in this time. And this is the work that we're called to do. Today we celebrate on Epiphany Sunday the arrival of the Magi. It's officially on Wednesday, the 6th of January, but it's moved to the nearest Sunday in the church. And we acknowledge that the Magi made that difficult journey to Jesus via the obstacles of travel in those days, which would be very different to what we have today. And it reminds us that they come and bow down and worship Jesus, a symbol that he came into the world for everyone, not just for the Jewish people. We celebrate the incarnation of the Christ child, yet we, te- we as a church, and I mean the national church, we tend to move swiftly on from what that actually means. And we forget that actually it means this. It means this list from Isaiah 61, to go out and find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers and sisters, and to make music in the heart. That's the work of Christmas. That's the work of this season that we're in. And that's the work that we can still do now, despite being ordered to stay at home, apart from certain reasons why we're allowed out of our houses. That's what we're called to do as a church. And as I say, it may feel like we've not done much this last year. But if you go into the next slide, if you remember, I shared this last year as well, when we were looking at our vision in January, that these are the four marks of a church from Acts 2, 42 to 47. It gives us a biblical understanding of what the church should be. And I thought it'd be useful, as I looked at this, to go back over what we've actually done through these things in the last year. Well, actually, we have been a teaching and a learning church. We've done that. We've learned about ourselves. We've learned about each other. We've learned how to do church in a different way. So we have been a teaching and a learning church. We've learned how to do live stream. We've learned our technical capabilities. We've pressed into prayer more than before in the last year. We spent time each week in the first lockdown praying on a Monday night. We did morning prayer for a good six months. We joined together Following on from that, we now do the prayer pointers email to encourage us to pray every day for the church and an aspect of the ministry and to pray for the community in which we serve. We've been a teaching church and we've been a learning church. There has been fellowship. Despite the fact we've had to keep our distance, we have been able to be united as a church family through the means of Zoom, through the means of meeting in the building, through things like meeting outside and bringing donations for the food bank like we did in June, in June and in November. Even though we've been distant, we have been together, we've learned and we can learn to love one another. There's still work to do on that, friends. Especially as we rebuild this year. As this church is rebuilt, as we reopen, whenever that may be fully, when we can finally open ours and get rid of all of these restrictions, we need to rebuild. We need to rebuild the church, and we need to rebuild our fellowship with one another. And it's an opportunity to move forward then, united as the body of Christ, to love one another as well as loving our community. And as I mentioned before Christmas, the way the community has responded, the way that we have been helping them has been a real blessing to them and to us. And as we rebuild, as we gather again, we need to become a place which is welcoming to those on the outside. We need to become a place for those who are exploring so that when they come in the building, they don't think, I'm coming to a club, but they think, actually, I'm coming to church. I'm coming to see Jesus. I'm coming to learn about him. 
So we have been a fellowship, a church that is marked by fellowship. We have been a loving church. There is work to do. Breaking of the bread and prayer and a worshiping church. Well, actually, friends, this last year, we really learned what it meant to break bread together. We increased the opportunities for, to celebrate communion together. Despite the doors being closed for so long and having to abstain from communion for, I think it was about six months, we rediscovered what it meant to break bread together and share in Holy Communion. When we celebrated each week between the two lockdowns, we gather around the Lord's table, and it is the one meal that we are allowed to share at the moment with each other, with those outside our house, or we can share together. Recently, we've had to revisit our worship and look at how we worship the Lord when we can't sing. You'll have probably seen the conversation Chris and I recorded about what it looks like and how singing is just very much one part of how we worship because worship is our whole lives. Everything we do and offer to the Lord is our worship. And yes, we've also been a witness in church. We've witnessed to the community what it means to share the love of God with each other. We've witnessed to the community what it means to love thy neighbor. I've had people come to me and say, I don't come to church, but I see what you're doing. That's what the church should be doing. That's from outsiders that are telling us they think we're doing the right thing. We've put ourselves out there. We've supported our community. Our services have become more accessible than ever before. And we're much more visible in the community despite having been locked down. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to say that, but we have done that. That's what we've achieved. And these are all areas that we can work on and all areas that we look at as we rebuild together, as we rebuild the new Christchurch in the post-pandemic, post-COVID world, whenever that comes. But as we continue to do that, as we look at how we rebuild, we need to look at ourselves first because that's where it all starts. Where are we personally with the Lord today? How is our own journey? How is our prayer life? How is our Bible study? How is our attitude to the Lord? Do we come to church? Do we watch online expectant to meet with Jesus? Or do we just come because it's the done thing on a Sunday morning? Do we come ready to be changed by the Savior of the world? Do we come ready to go out different to how we came in? Is our heart in the right place? Is our heart ready to receive from Jesus? Do we think of others before ourselves and what it means to them? It's got me, it reminded me of a tweet I saw six years ago, which I've got saved on my computer. Next slide, Josh. And actually, on the face of it, this is funny. Vicar, I didn't enjoy the worship this morning. To which the reply was, that's okay, we won't worship in you. On the face of it, it's a joke. But actually, when you look much deeper, there is an awful lot of meaning in those two lines. It's a flippant remark in some ways from the vicar to the parishioner. You know I could be flippant too. It's probably something I would say. But actually, if we think of it more deeply, it really strikes home. And it goes to our heart and our attitude to the Lord. It's okay if you come to church and you don't enjoy the service. Shock horror. It's okay if you come to church and you don't enjoy the songs. 
It's okay if you come to church and you don't enjoy the talk. Because actually, just because you haven't engaged with it, doesn't mean that the person sitting next to you hasn't. It may be that perhaps we sing a song when we were loud, and you think, well, I didn't enjoy that. But the person next to you thinking, wow, thank you, Lord. That's just what I needed to hear this morning. That's where mindset we need to be in, of thinking of others as well as ourselves. It can never be about us and what we enjoy, because if it gets to that point, we're doing something horrifically wrong. Because it can only be about Jesus. Just because we don't encounter the Lord in a powerful way each Sunday doesn't mean that somebody else didn't. And it doesn't mean that the Lord hasn't worked in us. When we're at things like new wine, there's times when people will go forward and others will sit there and think, I didn't get anything from that talk. But that's okay because the Lord is still ministering to us, even if we don't feel it. But when we get into that mindset of actually, I'm not enjoying this, then I think we switch into this mode as a church. Next slide. We switch into this mode. We switch into the mode where it's us driving the church. It's not the Lord driving the church because that, friends, is the wrong way around. The church needs to have Jesus in control. It needs to have Jesus driving the church because when we're behind the steering wheel, our hearts and our egos become too big and the Lord stops working. Because we think we know better. We think we're able to run the church without the Lord. Then we know what's best. So are we willing to sacrifice perhaps our favorite songs? Are we willing to sacrifice the ways that we think church should be run? For the ways that the Lord says church should be? Are we willing to be challenged by the biblical teaching? That some of it is very difficult to hear. Some of it is not comfortable. Are we willing to be challenged by that? Because that's what a church is like when the Lord is driving. We don't skip over passages because they're too difficult. We wrestle with them. We spend time with them. We encounter them and see what does that mean to us. Are we willing to step aside from a role that perhaps we've been doing for a long time to allow somebody else to be raised up into that place that the Lord is calling them to? If we're not able to do any of that, then we're failing because it becomes about our ego. And if our egos get damaged, there's something wrong there. Because it should never be about us and how we are. It should be about Jesus and Jesus being in charge of the church and we become the passenger. Now I know that's a challenge. That's a real challenge and it's not an easy thing to do. But if we think of the Magi, if they put themselves in that driving seat like that image shows, would they have ever actually reached Jesus in the house? If perhaps they'd have said, well, let's not go that way, let's go a different way. If they'd not followed the star, would they have ever reached Jesus? Would they have known not to go back to Herod because of Herod's underhand plans of wanting to kill the baby or the child? It's very easy to assume that we know what's best when actually we need to spend the time seeking the Lord and seeking his will. So I wonder if we're willing to surrender ourselves to the Lord how are our hearts this morning? Are you feeling on fire for the Lord? Or are you actually, if you're honest, really struggling? How are your hearts this morning? Are you ready to do what's being asked of you? 
Are you ready to stop and listen to what the Lord is saying? If you are, there's a lot of things that will distract us from that. Next slide, Josh. There's a lot of things that distract us from hearing from the Lord, as this cartoon shows. We want to hear from the Lord, but we have to get our priorities right. We perhaps have to turn the TV off. We perhaps have to turn the music off. We perhaps have to put the Bible on top of the pile of papers rather than at the bottom. We perhaps need to stop reading Sheep Digest and pick up our Bible notes. How easy is it for us to drown out the sound of the Lord's voice when he calls us? And I think this image speaks really powerfully to that. There are so many distractions. There are so many things that take us away from what the Lord is actually wanting us to do. Are we willing to follow the star as the wise men did? They saw the star and followed it. And I believe they would have had many distractions as well. Perhaps not as many as we have, or they'd be very different to what we have. But that question raises itself again. If the wise men had become distracted, would they have actually found Jesus at the house? Would they have known not to go back to Herod? So perhaps as we start this new year together, as we look to see what the future holds for each of us and for Christ Church, let's make sure that our hearts are first and foremost in the right place. Let's make sure that our hearts are ready to surrender to Jesus. And it's something we should do daily, if not more. Last year left us all with broken dreams and changed circumstances. And I do believe that the Lord is going to move mightily amongst us this year. If we're willing to put our hope back in him. If we're willing to surrender our hearts to him. Because he is the one who will make all things new. Those broken dreams from last year will be resurrected once again. For ourselves, for our church, for our community, for the nation. But it is going to be difficult. There's no point lying about that. It is going to be hard. But the Magi made a very difficult journey to Jesus. And it was totally worth it. And it will be worth it for us too. So how is your heart this morning? Rather than moving into a time of prayer ministry today, I'm going to invite us all to recommit ourselves to the Lord. We're going to use the covenant prayer, which our Methodist brothers and sisters do at the start of every year. And I think it's a really good practice for us to get into. So whether you're at home, whether you're in the building, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to say the words of the covenant prayer together. And as we do, I don't want us to rush through this. Don't just rush through it and recite it. But let's take our time over it. Let's think about what those words actually mean. And let's commit ourselves afresh. Lord God, Holy Father, since you have called through Christ to share in this gracious covenant, we take upon ourselves with joy the yoke of obedience and, love, and for love of you Engage ourselves to seek and do your perfect will. We are no longer our own, but yours. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. 
Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you. Or laid aside for you. Exalted for you. Or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.